Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now, it's time for the Scores Bears post-game show with Molly from the Molly and Haw Show and former Bears long-snapping Iron Man Patrick Manley on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. I just, I'm going to just make moaning noises, Patrick. I don't know what else to do. What? I was what doing was that, that all day. I was doing that all day. <laughs> what in the heck was that? That was crazy, wasn't it? it? It was. To me, it was two bad teams with Justin Fields being the best athlete out there. And I think now the storyline is his left shoulder. How injured is he? But, you know, the game was is what it was. It was a, a four-win team and a three-win team. And... You know, there's a lot of things to talk about here and to get to, but I'm just hoping Justin Fields is okay. And then yeah. also the play calling at the end was very interesting of having him run, knowing he's injured. Um, you know, and they lose by three points, and we can go back to the decision to kick a 56-yard field goal before the end of the first half, which gives them good field goal uh, field position. They yeah. go down and, and get points off of that. So um, it's just not good. Again, it's going to be like that Lions game like I was talking about, where it's a game you feel like you should have won, could have won, and, you know, you talk about the Miami game, you talk about the Cowboys game, you know you're outmatched with those guys. This game, this is another winnable game for the Bears, and it's just unfortunate that they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't get it done. Again, up 10 points, 17-7, to 7, and then blow it before the half and, and lose and, and uh, just throw that one away. I just, I mean, that's, that's just not a good one. And then again, again, the referees with another call that hurt the Bears with Kyler Gordon. That was not whatever you want to, roughing the passer. I just don't believe in that. And they talked about it on the, on the TV copy about it not being a forcible contact or whatever, but there's, you know, this is just, it's just a bad team, two bad teams playing each other. And again, let's just hope Justin Fields is okay. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, it was bizarre. I mean, it was a really strange finish to that game, watching him kind of run in slow mo- motion out of bounds and then take, uh, take the hit he took. I mean, I, I don't get it. I, I, we did not see him. We saw him operating from the pocket. Pat, we had had these conversations about one of the problems with the low volume of passes is that then when the game's on the line, how is he supposed to suddenly start mm-hmm. throwing if he hasn't done it the whole game? Well, the, the, they just scored a touchdown with him throwing the ball because he, was, he wasn't able to run in the same fashion. And he was buying time, and he was doing an unbelievable job in the pocket, but he was throwing the football. Why abandon that when you get into the final drive? Why suddenly 
turn back the clock to a week or two ago. I, I don't think I understood that at all. And you knew he had a bad hamstring. Yeah. You knew they were working on him on the sidelines, that he's complaining about his hamstring. Why are you having him go out there and run like that? I don't know. Um, you know, we were begging, like you said, to have him see what he could do from the pocket in these situations, and they completely went against it. One, when he's injured with two injuries, and then um, he was, you know, you knew he didn't want to run. He just, it was amazing how, how well he scrambled on the couple of those plays oh. of the second to last series, but Good. didn't want to take off down the field, wanted to make sure he could throw instead of having to run 15, 20 yards. And in particular, that pass to uh, St. Brown, I mean, he yes. normally, if he saw that, he would, you know, he would just take off for for the right. pylon and have that mm-hmm. guy be one of the guys blocking in front of him, right? I mean, sure. I don't think he would have hesitated, but apparently he didn't feel like he had the burst or the hamstring was bad enough. Then you get into the final drive and, you, and you're running him. Uh, confounding. Very confounding. I, and then the play before that St. Brown play even – which was amazing. He roll, he's rolling out of the pocket and hits uh, Montgomery down the sideline. Those are wow plays. I wrote down wow plays. I'm like, this is yep. this is a star play right there. So that's great to see at the end of games. He's making plays. I'm just kind of, I think it's maybe the first time I'm really confused with what Luke Getzey was doing uh, with his play calling there at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, um, we were we were joking in a group chat that uh, you know. Maybe it's time to have an OC party to celebrate the fact that he's not getting <laughs> oh. a coaching job. <laughs> oh, well, no. I mean, he, he still called a good game. I mean, he, he, I know. I'm joking. The, the, another, I know I'm with you. But another problem with me, too, is this O-line, they're really struggling. I mean, this is a team The Falcons were, what, 31st in the league in, in sacks with 13? And there was just multiple pressures. And the other thing to me that um, Tevin Jenkins must be really injured if Schofield is in there. Wow. I know he's going against a great player. And Grady Jarrett, and they didn't give him much help, but he was really struggling, jumping off sides yeah. as well. Obviously, I think it's because he's nervous going against Jarrett, but you know that that to me says that Tevin Jenkins is not healthy enough, obviously, to play at all because he was really struggling. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I honestly thought they might go to Tevin Jenkins, even if uh, if they didn't like the fact that he missed Wednesday and Thursday, whatever it might be. Right. And maybe he is. You're right. Maybe he's just uh, struggling, but that you know. That was bad. I mean, that was really bad, and and there's no way around it. But, you know, there there were, again, too many penalties for the Bears. Uh, Again, a winnable game that they couldn't get anything going with. And um, it's just just a little bit strange to watch the play calling at the end of the game based on how they tied the game, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think you're right. I think that the the decision to go for the field goal – which you know he hit the he hit the low part of the crossbar. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it was a it was on target. He just doesn't have that range, and you knew when he went out for it that he didn't really have that range. And if it was a yard or two more, he may have hit that. But yeah. the very fact that he missed it gave them the field position that allowed them to tie the game before the half, and that was that was a six point turn right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that hurt too. And another problem too with this team. A touchdown given up that wasn't by the defense. The kickoff yes. return that Cordero Patterson had, which is obviously he's the best in the, in the league to ever do it, getting an NFL record with his ninth uh, kickoff return TD. But uh, that you, you can't have that happen. That's another gaffe from this special teams unit. Yes, they had the nice takeaway. That's awesome. They got they got that the fumble was, recovery. Yeah. That's fantastic. But then you can't come back and have another thing like that. I said with this team and this offense, the way they've been performing, you need to go out there and just not be talked about. You need to be a long snapper. Just do your job and don't be talked about. Yeah. And they unfortunately went out there and they made a great play, but then they came back, came back and, 
gave up that 103 yard touchdown and Cordero Patterson, man, he's, he's a horse. I, uh, Chris Tabor used to call him the pony. He's like, that's my <laughs> pony. Yeah. He would call him his pony. And that's what he looked like running that return back. And that was a great return by him. And it's an NFL record. It's his mm-hmm. ninth kickoff return for a touchdown. And, you know, obviously he did that in Chicago. So, you know, you got a lot of happy memories of the guy. Um, you know, the, the other play, and I, you know, Jack Sanborn, I'm not criticizing him. It's a very difficult player to bring down. But when you hit him in the backfield, mm-hmm. you got a chance for like a six-yard loss, and he battles back to the line of scrimmage. Lo and behold, they're going to convert on the next play. They wouldn't have even been able to go to it, I, I don't right. think, on fourth and seven or whatever that would have That's been. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it, it was hard not to think that. Now, again, I know the guy is a load, and I know it's it's one th- – I mean, I've – Stood next to him. He is a large corporation of a man. He is a big, <laughs> solid, strong guy, tall guy, and uh, and I understand um, how difficult that is. But that's an example of a play. If you if you can make that play, you have to because you can't get in a position where they then can convert a fourth down. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then another problem with this this team. It was interesting that we really haven't seen it much this year. Is the second half. Coming out in the second half and struggling. What, they went three and out. Then they looked disjointed yeah. in the second series in the second yeah. half with only 24 yards of offense. That's wow. not what we've seen with the Bears. And yeah. that hurt them, obviously, as well with two possessions and no points. And uh, they had an opportunity, you know, getting the ball in the second half for the first time and, and maybe taking a lead and taking control of the game. And they didn't do it. 312-644-6767. That is the telephone number. We're going to get to your calls, get to your reaction to this game. Um, you know, again, I think we've we've seen a lot of good football from Justin Fields, and this was a situation where, again, I, I think he got hurt within the game, but, you know, we knew going into this um, week that he had been talking about heavy legs, and there was a lot of talk about the the, the, the – I was just a little surprised – that they used him in the running game in the way that they did at different points. It, it was it was him taking hits. And frankly, yeah. when he came and slid at that point and then caught a helmet to the helmet, I thought that had to be a call. I thought for sure that was 15 yards and the, and the officials didn't throw the flag. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. And I wonder how much when he's talking about tired legs all week, was he talking about, hey, my hamstring's pretty sore? Yeah. A specific leg. You know, that's – um, but he was never listed on the injury report. But I just, I, you know, it's we were all wondering, right, is he going to catch up with him with all this running, yes. all the hits he's taken? Uh, maybe it has in week 11 or 12, whatever the week is. I'm already messed up on what week it is. But, yeah, yeah maybe it is catching up to him. Maybe it's not sustainable because people were talking. Is it sustainable to continue to run an offense like this with him, at, at, you know, taking the hits and, and all the rushing attempts he has? And maybe we're finding the answer. And let's let's hope it's nothing serious coming out either later today or tomorrow with the injury report. Boy, I got to tell you, um, when Trevor Simeon was kind of warming up there at well, the end, I thought, oh, my God. Like, just, I mean, that's just a really difficult position oh, for yeah. anybody to come into. And, you know, God bless Trevor Simeon, pride of Northwestern. I mean, we, you know, we, we, uh, we have no problem with him as their backup quarterback. But that would have been a very difficult spot. It was already a very difficult start spot for the starter, let alone yeah. – going to a reserve at that position yeah it is it is and it's just I was you know, when I saw that I'm like oh game's over <laughs> I just that's what I was on to so that's okay but let's go let's talk about some of the things that we were talking about pregame what will we yeah. see of that like Chase Claypool didn't see much of him nope. Bayless Jones we got to see his kickoff returner with a great 55 yard return that was um, good. 
it was very, very good. That was great. And I was curious to see if he was going to put him back there as a punt returner, and they did not do that. I would like to see him back there at some point. I think maybe you find a dome game or something like that to get him in a controlled environment where it's a little bit easier for him. But uh, Chase Claypool, still not seeing a whole lot of him or being targeted a whole lot, which is really surprising. No, no. He, he did have – did he have three catches or two? I, he, I, here, I'll pull it up one yeah, second. I, I, I can't I remember what it was, but – um, definitely, not enough. How about yeah, that? Not, not enough. enough. Not yeah. enough. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no question about it. And um, I don't know. I, I, um, I felt like um, they're still trying to figure that out. And, uh, you know, I understand what um, has happened here. But I think that it's also one of these deals where you look at it and, and I got – I'm calling up the box. You look at I got it, it right here. Yeah, he was okay. targeted three times, caught it twice for 11 twice. yards. But then you look at they have only a total of 21 attempts. Yes. So you're not going to get many, and obviously 14 completions is what that number was. But here's what's surprising. I didn't realize it was a total of 18 rushes by Justin Fields, 17 for David Montgomery. So he led the team in rush attempts. I know some of them are scrambles and things like that, but there were a lot of called quarterback runs as well in there. But, um, yeah, that's a little shocking. He he did. He did. He He got hit. Four sacks, was it, I believe, Patrick? Yes, four. four sacks. Yeah. Yeah. And a few more quarterback hits. I mean, the hit he took when he was throwing the little swing pass out there to Montgomery or um, to Ebner, you know, that was a big hit. He just took a lot of hits. He took a beating. And like I said, man, just let's hope he's not truly beat up and, and, and can continue the season. And hopefully, it's, excuse me, hopefully it's not something his shoulder, his left shoulder, where he can play through it this game, but it's going to put him on the shelf for a while because I want to see him to continue to develop. Hopefully it's just like a, a bumps and bruises, as you call them. Um. I believe the Bears once again failed to get a sack. And they did an all-out blitz at one point that failed. So yep. I, I didn't see a lot um I didn't see a lot of improvement in the uh in the pass rush or in the defense generally speaking. No, but he was more aggressive and I, I, I did like that. There was a little bit more pressure. Mariota was moving around the pocket a little bit more and a couple times they caused incompletions for that, but then they did have the uh I don't know if it was cover zero, but they bring up bringing a lot of guys that he did make the big completion to, to uh, Mark Grody's guy, Demir Bird. <laughs> I was going to text Grody at that point. I laughed out loud when I saw Demir Bird make that play. Oh, um, yeah, I'm just man. looking at their numbers here. Mariota, I thought he was better than this. He was 13 of 20 for 131 yards, and they ran the ball 33 times for 149 yards. The Bears uh, – Fields 14 of 21 for 128 yards, and uh, and the Bears ran the ball 41 times for 160 yards. So the Bears doing pretty good in some of those statistics, and obviously it's meaningless because they lose by a field goal, and it was a, a field goal game. So it's a push, mm-hmm. I guess, if you wagered on it. Yeah, and the other thing that hurts me is I'll just let's say that interception doesn't happen. You're, you're up 2-0 to zero on the turnovers. Yeah, and you're still losing, and that just that shouldn't be happening. But you gave up a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. That to me is kind of like a turnover in its own in its own right. Even worse with them scoring points off of it. Right, and and you know, frankly, I thought the first couple times he came out, he wasn't getting to the 25, right? And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, they're doing a pretty decent. Oh, job. they had a great and, coverage earlier. Yeah, yes, great coverage and earlier. See, and, and I mean, they they showed that pretty well where he saw the hole develop and he just hit it and I, I think it was Matt Adams who came in and just kind of draped himself on him briefly but that was about the only time he was touched yeah and Molly what that what to me what it was what I saw because they show, showed a few angles 
that it was a all, uh, all it was a middle return called. But what he right. does is he sells it so well and pushes it almost to the numbers, and then cuts back and takes that middle crease. So the guys to his right, the um, kickoff returns left side, they're going to overflow a little bit, and they did a great job of cutting off on the backside of the Bears' kickoff uh, right side coverage coverage team. It was it was blocked exceptionally well. It was ran exceptionally well, and his vision was great as well. Um, that's just one they got they got outmatched and ran into Cordero Patterson, who's the best kickoff returner in NFL history. Yeah, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. We'll start the conversation with Chris. Chris is in Evanston. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Uh, I feel like uh, we got to remember this: is the Atlanta Falcons, uh, one of the worst defenses in football. Yeah, they're not known for pass pressure. Uh, and they just went back to old school defense and did what I don't understand most defenses do against running quarterbacks. They put basically a spy almost every play, play contained, and we ran the ball 20 times with our quarterback, average five yards to carry almost. Awesome if he's our running back, but he's our quarterback. <laughs> I talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. When we go against good defenses, what's going to happen if we don't have passing plays that we feel like our quarterback can consistently drop back and just just make happen and he had some good throws he had some bad throws but I've been saying it you know all year I love to see the runs his two biggest runs on a year have not been designed runs he's a running quarterback when the play breaks down he will naturally look to run we need to throw all these design runs out of the playbook uh, that's crazy you, uh, you, you can't throw out the design runs it's what's turned his season around yes I, you know come on now what did we say how many last first downs week? how many first downs has he converted with his legs on called runs a lot oh my god you he know was, he's done it as well in the out of the pocket rush escaping but there's yes. been a lot of third and fours they quarterback sweep quarterback draw whatever it is that quarterback power that he's converting i just think that's part of his game 18 rushes or 18 times running the ball that's too much for me i agree with that but that's kind of the way the uh the game turned and then just to evaluate Justin Fields a little bit more, we didn't talk about it, it was the missed throw to Mooney. The touchdown, oh, the long bomb. That you can't miss those layups. That's that's one, you know, that's going to hurt him a lot, but you, you can't have that. You've got to make that throw, and it was a great uh, route by Mooney to get behind the guy that caused him to trip and fall, and you got to make that throw. That, that missed by a hair. I mean, that mm-hmm. missed by a very small percentage. In fact, I was so... I was like, burst Mooney. Like, I yep. just wanted him to catch up to that because it was wide open and he had beaten the coverage and the ball was out there. And it just, I, I mean, you're right. You got to get that play. Now, the one on the sideline to Montgomery where he's yep. running and he waves him, you just go. He dropped that ball in perfectly. That's that the great. best throw of the game. Oh, that, yeah. was, that was really something. And And while we're talking about big throws, how about Cole Komet? That, that was unblanking believable, Patrick. We've been that, waiting for that. Oh my God. That was that that was that in the Mooney pass that it was caught earlier. Those are the two best catches of the year. That was a sure. great catch. And it's great to see Cole Komet do that in traffic with somebody on his leg, kind of running through. I mean, that was that was fantastic. That's that's why he got drafted where he was. That's what people talked about him in the pre-draft process and hoping to see as he became a pro and this year, the last, what, four or five weeks, he's really stepped up, and I've been impressed with him, and that's a, that's a big-time catch, and that's, that's you, when you start getting called on more. Don't you think that's a kind of a confidence catch, you know, when yes. you are – when you're kind of – everyone's talking about you and everyone's talking about your energy and everyone's talking about how good you are and you're getting five touchdowns in three weeks, and now all of a sudden 
you're in the middle of the field and that ball is there and you catch it with the guy draped on you and mm-hmm. you 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 know you you secure it and roll that was absolutely a phenomenal catch and Molly, if you remember they took the tv or the uh, the camera and put it on his face on the next play was his hand was in the ground it looked like he was almost smiling a little bit like man i just made a big time play and i wonder if he was thinking that i know he's knowing he's got to worry about what the next play is right before the snap but he had to be getting out of that huddle and be like hmm that was pretty sweet because <laughs> it was <laughs> wow. it was a great big time play it fields looked delighted as well that that's yes. the kind of play that lifts the team Mm-hmm. 312-644-6767. We're going to break down the end of the game and where they went wrong and and uh, and why, what happened, and we'll uh, we'll pick it apart and we'll take your calls. 312-644-6767. That is the telephone number. You're listening to the post-game show on the score. Football at the 30-yard line. Times are wasting at 1.20 to play. Clock winding. Bears down three. Four-man front. Safety back deep. Corners off the ball. The top tight on the near side. Snap back to Fields. In the pocket. Throws high. Over the middle. Intercepted, Intercepted on the tip off of Montgomery's hands. Into the hands of a waiting defender. And the Falcons are going to seal it. Jalen Hawkins on the interception. And now it's time for the Scores Bears post game show with Mully from the Mully and Haw Show and former Bears long snapping Iron Man Patrick Manley on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. Oh boy, oh boy, there you go. That was the final play of the game. That was the uh, the end of it there. Um, and again, uh, kind of a, a rough, uh, a rough outcome from the Bears. They got the ball back with uh, 147 left, and Justin Fields runs out of bounds, uh, a gain of one yard, and he gets hit, and he landed poorly on his left shoulder, and he was up, and he was running that shoulder, and then they uh, they run Fields again, and uh, and he gets hit again. And he picks up four yards, I think, in the middle of the field. And then that was the last play, that interception. Mm-hmm. That was third and five from the 30-yard line. And, uh, yeah, so that that would be the end of that. Yeah, and I just to go back to his hamstring injury, I'm just curious how much communication was going on between him, the trainers, and the coaches. Hmm. You know, because earlier in the game, he, you saw him holding it, and they were working on it on the sideline. And for them to come out and call two straight runs with his legs, that's just, that's a little shocking to me. I just, I would expect better communication or more honesty between Justin and the, or the trainers and the, well, maybe not honesty, but just more communication between the trainers and the coaching staff to say, hey, listen, he's, his leg is hurting. We need to, you know, he, you know, this, you know, you do what you can. And maybe Justin said, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. But uh, I'd like to know how that communication went about, uh, about between Justin, the trainers, and the coaching staff and dealing with his injury. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's interesting because in the fourth quarter they had the uh, the long drive to tie the game, and um, and he did not do a lot of running. I think he ran on, uh, on second down, and then um, he had a pass to commit. He uh, – hit Montgomery on on that big pass. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I'm just going. He he did. Yeah, no no real quarterback four, runs. He, yes. Yeah, then he had the big scramble to to yes. St. Brown, and that's the one where he really grabbed his hamstring after that. Yes. Where he could have is the old the, the the week before or weeks before Justin Fields, in my opinion, would have turned that thing up and tried to do it with his legs himself. Yes. But said no, I've got to extend the play and I've got to make this throw, and he did a great job of that. I'm not, you know, that was fantastic, but. You know that's that they had to know that he that had to have have a hamstring injury, which is yeah, which is it was confusing all the way yeah. around. It was confusing, yeah. and the Bears' defense yet again. Um, you know, you you look at that game and you say, um, Jaquan Brisker had a really good game. I think he led them in tackles. Uh, he had nine tackles, eight solos. He was hitting people. Force um, fumble. Yeah, that's exactly right. But uh, they had no sacks. They had three tackles for loss the entire game, um, and uh, and one was by Gordon. One they had three different guys. It wasn't like mm-hmm. any one player did anything spectacular. The uh, the Atlanta Falcons. That's that's not a great defense by any stretch, but they did have uh, they did have four sacks and nine nine tackles for loss. Mm. Yeah, the O-line got beat up in the run game a little bit, too. I know they had 160 yards, but like I said, that's Justin Fields rushing 18 times for 85, and a few of them are scrambles, and that's caused by, you know, <laughs> bad bad pass protection. But the O-line just, they didn't have their greatest game. There were some plays, yeah, they, they protected really well. Um, you know, and then Justin Fields, they played a nice little zone in front of them. Nobody could get open. But for the most part, it was a pretty bad game all around. And, and you got to say it's the first time, I think, in a long time we've seen it in the run game where – they got handled up front, and a lot was yeah. that Grady Jarrett. And I told the uh, God, Bears fans to watch that player. And when a guy, you know, I know it's a different defense, but when you get a player like that in the three technique that can disrupt the middle of the offensive line like that, it makes a big difference. And he really he, he handed it to the Bears' offensive line today. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, Michael uh, Schofield will go to bed, uh, you know, shuddering and having nightmares about that game. It was uh, it was rough. They didn't give him much help either, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. But that's what's tough about help. Grady Jarrett. He I can agree. move around, and you can't yeah. really – It's that's what's tough to scheme. You know, him – you can scheme more of a cover two, three technique as you can set strength and you know where he's going to be, but he moves around all different places, especially in nickel and things like that. 312-644-6767. Let's try Dan. Dan is in DeKalb. Hey, Dan. Hey, what's up, guys? So a couple points that I took away from the game was, I one, I'm happy for Cordell Patterson. That was kind of fun to watch even as a Bruce fan. I was like, two, I hope Justin Fields is okay. That's my biggest thing. If he's not developing and he's not on the field, the rest of the games are almost meaningless. But my biggest and most frustrating thing as a Bears fan, as a Justin Fields fan, is I'm tired of watching Justin get hit and get hit hard and get hit and Get hit with calls that Rodgers and Brady would get the flags easy because yep. they're going to protect them, and they're going to do that. That double standard needs to get taken care of because it takes away from the game as a fan. You either give it to everybody. For a league that wants to protect its quarterbacks, and we can all agree, Justin is a, a is possibly a budding superstar. I think he is. I don't know. Maybe some might disagree, but you can't have him take those kind of hits because he's never going to last. He's not – I mean, it's just like somebody just makes me shake my head like, oh, man, imagine if that was – if that guy was last name Rogers, he would get those strikes right away. I, I mean, listen, in fairness, Rogers is a two-time MVP, but, it, you know, there there were a couple of calls that were bothersome, and, and mm-hmm. he is taking a pounding. 
There is no doubt about it. If if uh, if he was had heavy legs before this game, I mean, he's got a lot of issues. He's got heavy shoulder, heavy legs, heavy heart. Uh, there's just a lot of things that that went awry. And you know, the other element of this thing, Pat, we haven't talked about this at all. But the Bears don't have the bye week. They got two more games. Mm-hmm. They they go to the Jets and then they come home. So it's week eleven. So you're talking about a week fourteen a bye week and that is late in the season and yeah. given the amount of abuse the quarterback's taken uh, boy it'd be it'd be awful nice to have next week off or have had this week off whatever we yeah this would have been the perfect perfect time you're right and yeah. as a player you always look at that you want it right around week eight week nine just because you know that's the midpoint and you get to rest at the midpoint and feel like you're going into a second half of the season but yeah it's unfortunate for that but i will say one thing about having a late bye this is just kind of maybe off topic of this, is yeah. that for this team in development mode and what they are, maybe going into that late buy is when you start making the real changes of young guys moving in. Do you put Leatherwood in? Do you do you uh, put Larry Borum or, you know, you move guys around a little bit or get guys more playing time and, and kind of tr- uh, mess around with your young guys and move them around a little bit more and, and maybe insert some other guys and get more playing time just to see what you have to get them ready for next year. Because they're not going to be in the playoffs, in the playoffs, obviously. So that's kind of getting off subject there. But maybe that's something that could be good for that buy coming later. That you could you could work around this with this the uh, young team and move them around a little bit. Well, I, I you know I think Pat, that's a really legitimate comment. And I think that when you think about where um, this team is right now, um, you know we we already have people that will be delighted that they lost that game. We already mm-hmm. have a whole crowd of people sure. that that are the kind of lose out crowd that are really hoping that you know every time you lose the draft pick gets better. I think it was six, and I haven't checked today, but it's got to be at least four right now. We'll see what the rest of the results are, but uh, but the draft pick improved because of this loss, and there'll be a there'll be a segment that are delighted by that. Now, I don't know how you can be because I got no problem if you get to the last two or three games of the year. And you are in, you're out of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. You know, build for the future and worry about the future. That that's kind of traditionally the way it's been done, and act like you're not really tanking. But I, I mean, the idea of going into a season purposely trying to lose is a bad idea, in my opinion. I just don't, I just don't like it. I, I don't, I don't. I think that in other sports we've seen it work, and obviously the Cubs are the greatest example in town. Where uh, you know you won a World Series after 108 years, but these sports are so different. You know there is no promise to any football player. You can you can have your whole team together and all your first round picks, and you can feel like you got a legitimate chance. And then Teddy Bridgewater can suffer a horrific knee injury in practice, and, and nothing to do with the game. And now all of a sudden you're chasing a season. That that sort of thing happens all the time in the NFL. And partly the, the injuries make it impossible to, uh, to, to just worry about losing and getting better. It, it just doesn't necessarily work that way. And, and the draft is also an absolute crapshoot where, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen in this town guys taking second in the draft and not, and not even being the third best quarterback out of a draft. That, that has happened. So I just think it's an inexact science. I think that you're asking a whole lot of people – to throw away an entire season. And, you know, the last caller we had said, if, if Justin Fields gets hurt, well, what are we going to watch? What is there to watch in the season? <laughs> right. 
you know, it's week 11, man. I mean, next week is week 12. There are 17 games in 18 weeks, and there's going to be a bye week. I mean, there's a lot of football left. It, it may not seem like it, and it's I, – I, you know, I haven't looked at the results. I don't know what uh, – how uh, Minnesota is doing. That game's just getting going. But if they win, the Bears can't win the division. Not that they yeah. – that, that that's a surprise. But, but they're still in the hunt. They are technically <laughs> right now in the hunt. If Minnesota wins, they're out of the hunt. Yes. Uh, and I know it's comical, but but I, I'm just saying, you know, we really have to keep in context all this stuff. It, it is, yep. you know, I mean, my God, Pat, you played forever, but there are only so many sunsets in most careers. You know, mm-hmm. the average career of players is really pretty small, and yep. it's – it grows because a team like the Bears exists, and they got a bunch of guys that probably wouldn't last in the league if it wasn't for the Bears existing. That's year. true, and they get an opportunity. And I, I, I'm sitting here thinking about this, doing the post-game show with you. What, what's my biggest takeaway from this? And as you're talking about development of this team, uh, the rest of the season, we've got a lot of games to go. I'm just thinking right now, it's all about Justin Fields and his That's health. It. If That's he's it. healthy enough, he needs to. We, we want to see him develop. But I, it would really be unfortunate for him and this Bears organization that if he has to sit for three, four, five weeks with a with an injury that needs to really heal. And then how do you deal with this? Let's let's say if it is, you know, I was scrolling through Twitter, some people were talking about it's an AC joint, you know, sprain. Oh, you can geez. play through that, right? Well, if you do that, then can he get injured more? Do you have to change the game plan? Does yeah. this set him in the pocket more? Do you tell him not to scramble? Do you, you obviously probably don't call as many design quarterback runs that were helping you score 30 points a game. So how does your game plan change if he is dinged up? This will be interesting to see how it plays out. 312-644-6767. Steve is in Columbus. Hey, Steve. Good afternoon. Um, I am so angry with the whole game today. And you hear the phrase, the honeymoon period is over. Well, today I really feel like the coaching staff really, really let this team down. And and I and I will put Ibufus to a degree, but Getsy, Allen Williams, and Richard Hightower, I believe his name is the special teams coordinator. My goodness, all three of them really, really took better take this loss seriously. And you know, Getsy, that final two minute play call was so disgusting. It reminded me of what uh, Mike Shanahan did with uh, RG three. You remember? Oh boy. I'm really, really worried about, you know, Getsy trying to do the same thing with uh, Fields because I get it. I'm tired of talking about the lack of talent. That's that's a 100% given, and I don't think we need to rehash that anymore until maybe March and April during free agency and the uh, the NFL draft. But none of the players, in my opinion, have gotten really better under this coaching staff, and that really, really worries me. Even if we get better talent – can we really guarantee that these, this coaching staff can really elevate this team? Or is talent really that really, really important? And maybe we're probably not paying much attention to the coaching staff and their ability to raise the uh, the players and, you know, maybe overcome the, the issue of it. What do you guys think? I, I think it's all talent. I, I, I'm, I've been impressed so far. Um, with what this coaching staff has done with this talent. That's just a hard thing. Like I always say, when they walk in that that meeting Monday night after watching this game or Tuesday morning, whenever they start their game plan for the next team and they pull out the roster and they put the tape on, 
they're looking at it and they're going, oh, crap. <laughs> How are we going to match up with that guy? How are we going to match up with this scheme, with, with what we have? So I think they're behind the eight ball in the first spot, the first place. And I'm just really impressed with what Luke Getze has done up until this point offensively to, to kind of tailor this offense to be able to score 30 points per game. I know they scored 24 today, but think about this. How many weeks has it been that the Bears' defense has he- defense has held the team under the uh, total number of points that the offense has scored? So you take away the special teams, uh, you take away the pick six, kickoff return, you know, that's two weeks that the defense yeah. technically has held the team to under what the Bears have scored offensively. They should have right. won if the Bears' offense didn't throw a pick six and the special teams don't go, don't, doesn't give up a touchdown. And it's not great. I'm not saying it's great, but I'm just saying there's other factors to, to the loss as well with some of these high-scoring games. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, Pat. I, I you know, that, that just sent a shiver down my spine when you're talking about RG3. Mm-hmm. I didn't like hearing that at all um, because I don't, think, I don't think they're comparable players. But I do think that, you know, he got hurt, and he got hurt running the football, and it affected his career, and it impacted everything he was trying to do. And, and all of a sudden, he wasn't the player that he had been. So I'm not angry. Um, I, I was confused by the play selection of the final drive. It, it just yeah. confused me because I thought that they had decided that, that – you know, I thought we all were seeing that the quarterback could operate in the pocket, but he wasn't going to – finish the run like you do in practice, if you will, right? right? right so right. so you weren't going to call those plays, but you were going to have him move a little bit or try to to protect him a little bit. I, I was um, I, I was genuinely confused by that play calling at the end. Uh, and again, I think that Luke Getze, you know, I wouldn't turn on him as fast as, uh, as Steve just did because no. Luke Getze – is a guy we were talking last week about him being on a list of guys you'd want as your head coach. Mm-hmm. He's a young coach. He's made great strides. He's 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 kind of leaned into the things the quarterback does best. I mean, there's a lot to like about what he has done thus far, and I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go 360 on the guy. I, I just I like what he's done, and I'm not willing to just bury him now. No, what I like most about him is that, you know, what we complained about before with Matt Nagy is that he wouldn't adjust his scheme to the talent he had, and he's completely adjusted his scheme, and i got to give him credit for that. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his, and, um, you know, this is one game. There were some questionable calls that he had, but that's it. It's one game. He's, uh, he's still, you know, young at this profession as well, so we'll see what he does and how he bounces back. All right, we're going to come back with your calls. 312-644-6767. Trying to keep even heads about this, but it was a bad loss. There's no way around it. We've seen a lot of these here this year, and this is another one. This is two weeks running. They've had a bad loss. 312-644-6767. Post-game show on the score. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Mully, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app today. Oh, yes, indeed. It's the postgame show. We've got Patrick Manley, the longest serving bear in team history. And, uh, and, Pat, as we sit here and talk about this game, um, obviously, 
you know, you, you have a missed field goal that was very important in the game, and then you have a game-winning field goal uh, from uh, from uh, uh, Young Way Koo, a 53-yard, was it a 52-53-yard field right. goal to win the game? So, you know, as simple as it is to kind of pick apart games, you know, the Bears tried a 56-yard field goal that we knew was beyond the range of the kicker. Do you do that based on the fact that you're indoors? Do you, do you think it's, well, you know, there's no real wind. It's still, if you could kick a 54-yarder, surely you could kick a 56-yarder. I'm sure in the pregame he probably stretched it out to find out what his range was. And that's when you go to the kicker. The assistant special teams coach will run down the sideline while the kicker's in the net and be like, what's your number? How far can you kick it? And then they'll relay that to the head coach while they're calling the plays, relay that to the offensive coordinator while they're calling plays to let them know what kind of the yard line is. So I'm guessing in pregame, it was said that he could make a 56-yarder. That would have been set, you know, at the start of the game. So I'm guessing that's what happened. He didn't hit it great. He drove it more, and, you know, he doesn't have the strongest leg. Right. But um, you saw Koo when he hit his. I mean, shoot, that thing would have been good from 70, it looked wow. like. Wow. That, um, that was crazy. And I think Cairo, that was obviously the end of his range, and that's just kind of who he is. He's going to go 18 for 18 up to that point, I think it was, and he's just yep. not going to be a guy to make the long kick. But he looked like he was trying to try to drive it to make it, and that just couldn't get it there. Yeah, it's a pity. Um you know, if I were a kicker, Pat, I'd be like 41 yards, 42. Like, I would just <laughs> – I would undersell and then over-deliver yeah, if I had there you to go. go just yards. try to pad your stats and get in the Pro Bowl and get the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's just one theory. Uh, let's get back to the phone lines. 312-644-6767. Jass is in East Moline. Hey, Jass. Hello. You doing? I, talked to, I talked to Patrick in the uh, pub a couple years ago. I'm the old guy, Patrick, that remembers when uh, uh, Red Grange was doing play-by-play. Oh, boy. Um, first thing, I don't know where, where where was the special teams coach, his head. You don't kick to Patterson. It's a proven fact. It's been like that for since he was with the Vikings. You don't kick to that guy. You try to kick away from him playing with fire the whole time and then the other thing that disappointed me was the first touchdown that um they scored Atlanta scored Gordon did not stay with his man across the back of the the uh goal line he let him go free and he was about four or five yards behind him when the pass was made can't be having that stuff he's got to stay with his man that's all I got to say. Thank you. Jess, thank you. Did did uh, did uh, the galloping ghost talk fast or just run fast? What was he like? <laughs> oh, we lost him. We lost I would him. like to know that. Seriously, I'd like to know what Red Grange sounded like, don't you? I wonder how, how old that young man was we were just talking to. That's, that's, that's impressive. That's really yeah. impressive. But he does have a good point about kicking to Patterson. There's... There's times you go into games when you're going against a Hester or a Cordero Patterson or we went Dante Hall or different players that were just super dynamic returners. But sometimes you come in as a special teams coach on Wednesday morning and you're like, guys, this is the game plan. We're kicking away. We're going to bloop kick. We're going to do this. We're taking him out of the game. It's saying, look to me that they said, nope, this is the game. This is what sometimes be said on a Wednesday morning when you come in for your first meeting. It's like, all right, you guys have a challenge. We're going to kick to him. We're going to cover. You have a challenge. We're putting on you to get it done. 
And that's what it looked like the game plan was this week. Said, we're going to kick to him. You guys can tackle him. I believe in you. And it, it reared its ugly head that he was better than, than that coverage team and got him. But um, there are some guys in the league, you just say, listen, we can't let him beat us. And we saw it here in Chicago all the time, saying the punt yep. game. How many times yep. did you see a punter shank one out of bounds? Poor Chris Cluey up in Minnesota. I mean, didn't have a great career against against Devin Hester. And there's just you, you try to take him out of the game, and they decided they weren't going to do it. They were going to kick to him. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I think it's a great call from Jass because I don't disagree with him. I, I mm-hmm. felt like when we talked to Brian uh, Fitter in, in the pregame, he was saying, you know, he's been he's been hurt. He had the injury. Now he's back a couple of games. This could be the one where he takes off. That went through my head as I watched the guy returning that kick. I, yeah. I thought, damn it. You know, that that it was – like when you when you hear an analyst describe a guy building to something, it wasn't a shock that right. that he got that done. And and you know, I don't know how you you know the, a lot of times you see kind of a you know a, a squib kick to like inside yep. the twenty, and then mm-hmm. some. That's a good idea to me when you're going against a guy that is staring down an NFL record. No doubt. So what we would do real quick, give you some special teams insight. Sure. We had the squib rules. So when Devin was back there and we knew they were going to squib it, instead of putting like the bigger tight end guys back there for kind of the, well, you don't run a wedge anymore, but run the kind of the double team blocks, you would put your receivers back there. You would put a DB that maybe played, you know, good ball skills or whatever. So when they did squib it, they could pick it up and run and, and potentially get you more yardage. So there's different ways to play it. And those were our squib rules. And that's, that wouldn't have been a bad plan. Obviously, if in hindsight, you say, yeah, you should have done it to them. But um, now with the, with the, the kickoff line moving up five yards, you would hope that you know the kick could get deep enough in the end zone he won't take it out. But So it was only three yards deep, but he got him. He got him. John is listening online from uh, Lexington, Illinois. Hey, John. Hey, what's going on, guys? All good. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I just got done watching that game. I don't know, the last couple plays of the game, were they trying to get Fields killed? They knew he wasn't 100%, <laughs> and he's running the ball with it, you know, I don't know. And then this coming up draft, we got all these. We should make it an all lineman draft, draft pick, offensive and defensive lineman this year, because God knows we need them. And as far yeah. as draft picks do go, you know, it's fine that we're losing and we're going to get better draft picks. But as hard as these guys have been playing and losing games, I think for the morale of the team, they need to win one or two games. Just to reward them for the hard play that they've been playing. Well, they're going to be hard pressed to do that. I mean, let's be honest about it. You just look at the look at what's going on in the on the defense on the front seven of the defense. It's going to be very hard to put together to stack any kind of wins here, Patrick. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt about it. No, it's going to be a long season for that locker room, unfortunately. And to go back to the the last uh, series with Justin Fields and I. It's worked in the past with Justin Fields when you call a quarterback run early. Maybe first down, he gets going, right? Maybe he busts out for 8, 9, 10 yards, he gets a 12-yard run. Then you settle in, you get his confidence, you know, he gets going, right? He gets that swagger going. But to call two runs back-to-back, I, I did not like that at all. I mean, I thought when the first one, they got two yards, like, all right, the run the run game's out. Let's go to the passing game, let's see what he can do. And, um, that it's yeah, it's just, I, I didn't like what they did there at the end with the, with the two back-to-back runs. And I, I get the first one, try to get him going, but not the two back-to-back runs. When you saw him after the first one, you're like, whatever you do, don't run him again. 
Yes. And they ran him again. I, yes. I mean, that's that was my problem with it. It was, you know, I, I mean, the minute you saw him, he was like in slow motion. That guy is a, he, he's absolutely a, a football player, a competitor, and he did the best he could do, and he took a bad hit, and he was struggling to come back on the field, and then you run him again? That seemed mm-hmm. cruel. I, I, I mean, just the second run call, uh, after the first one, I would never have called that again. I, no. I, I just wouldn't have, but – I don't know what they were thinking. I would have done, you know, if you were afraid that his shoulder was messed up, that he had taken a big hit and you wanted to give him a second to regain himself, it's four downs to get 10 yards. I might have, I might have done a jet sweep or something. I might have tried some other kind of running play just to give him a break and mm-hmm. then come back, throw the ball a couple of times, try to get the 10 yards. But, uh, man, that was ugly. Oh, well, speaking right. of taking – I know yep. we got. Well, go. No, let's. Uh, speaking of taking a break, let's take a break. But uh, there's an interesting quote from Darnell Mooney saying he was tired on the throw that was overthrown by um, Justin oh, Fields. Mother of God. Yeah. Three very... one two. <laughs> that now I'm, I'm now you've triggered me. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. I got to hear that quote. We'll uh, we'll we'll uh, give it to you next, Molly and Hall. Excuse me. It's the post game show. I it's can be Hall. That's all right. Family. I can be Hall. No, no, you be yourself for God's sake. <laughs> I'm just uh, Pavlov's. Uh, I got uh, you with that one, didn't I? Radio guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just threw me with that I quote. Did. I we'll did. be back with it. It's the score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 